Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. So we want to talk about, we're going to stick in pretty much Genesis 24. I think it's the biggest chapter in Genesis, and I'm just going to camp there. But before I go there, I got to go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. So this was where Abraham, you know, God tells Abraham, here's another really strange story. I mean, it's really weird. We try to, you know, spiritualize it, do all kinds of things, but it may not have been weird as much in Abraham's culture because, you know, that kind of sacrifice and everything where we're giving up your son, it really wasn't that weird in that cultures that surrounded them, but it was really strange that God who gave Isaac this son as my promise is asking me to give my son up. You know, often when God gives you a promise, he'll ask you, are you willing to lay the promise down? And often you'll have something really specific that you're believing for, and it seems like God's asking you to, you know, focus on me as your reward and don't worry about the stuff. And, and here, he tested Abraham. He goes up this mountain, and first of all, he said, guys, me and my son are going to go over here and worship. You stay here. And then he said, we will return. That's a pretty powerful statement when he knew that I'm supposed to go up the mountain and actually sacrifice my son. But you know what he said? He says, we will return, because he knew this. The God who's asking me to do something really weird right now, he's the God who gave me this promise, so no matter what he says, I know that if I honor him, he made this promise. He ceases to be God if he doesn't make sure that, that this promise is always alive and well with me. So my son is coming down this mountain with me. I don't care what happens up there. This son is my promise. He's the future. He's the blessing. He's the seed that everything's going to be blessed through. So Abraham was willing to do that because he he saw the bigger picture in the middle of it. So there he is. I mean, he wraps up, ties up his son, and he, he puts him on the altar, and then he goes... Well, he's about to do that. But then right away, he hears a voice, stop, wait. And he says, I can't wait. God told me to do it. Now, what's interesting is, is that you're supposed to follow the voice of God. And a lot of people think they've got a word from God and they're stuck in a place sometimes because that was the word they were operating in. But, you know, the word, Jesus said, I operate by every preceding word out of the mouth of God. So sometimes there was a preceding word. The word was to do that, but when he got on the mountain, the word was different. And the word was, stop, wait, don't do that. Here, I've provided a ram for you, da 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 da, da. You've shown me that you're beating. Anyway, interesting stuff. But I'm not camping around there because I want to go to 24. What I want to say is this right here. In your seed, he said, you've been faithful, Abraham. I see your heart. He said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Say voice voice. See, because there's a preceding word there. There's a preceding voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose up, and they went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Now, it says Abraham returned. It doesn't say anything about Isaac. What happened up there? Up there on the mountain, that was a type. What happened? There was a father who was willing to send his son and to yield up his son, that his son would give up his life for the victory of all of mankind. That a son was willing to yield his life 
so that there could be a total breakthrough. What happened on that mountain was a total picture of Christ and the crucifixion. And I believe where that happened was on the same mount that we call Golgotha is exactly where Abraham did that with the son. Same place. So same typology. So that's why we don't see Isaac coming down because to keep the whole image, the shadow, the typology, Isaac is not mentioned again until the end of chapter 24. He's not even spoken about again until the end of chapter 24. 1 Peter 1.18 says we are redeemed, not with precious stones and jewels and things. We are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb without blemish, without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. The Lamb of God, it was predestined before before sin entered in, before the fall. Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world set apart to redeem us and ransom us and bring us back in a relationship with God. So this was in Genesis 22. We see a foreshadowing. So what are we doing? We're on a Jesus trip. What are we trying to find? We're trying to find Jesus on every page of the scripture. So we see Jesus represented here in Genesis with Isaac. In Acts chapter 3, 20 to 21, it says, and that he may send, there's times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and then he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heavens must receive until the times of the restoration of all things. The heavens must receive him. And we don't hear of Isaac again, because the heavens, after the finished work of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, ascension of Christ, he is gone. He is out of the picture. He has left the scene. So the heavens have taken him. He's been received up in the heaven until the time of the restoration of all things which God has spoken through the mouth of the holy prophets since since when since last Tuesday no every prophetic word since the world began so when does Jesus get to come out of heaven pastor when is the second coming when will he come he's not going to come until every single prophetic word from Genesis through Revelation every prophetic word has to be fulfilled before and heaven literally it says it holds him it retains him until every single word is fulfilled let me just give you one my favorite one Do you know what my favorite one is my favorite prophetic word it's in Habakkuk 2:14 and the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's got to happen. Knowledgeable, tangible, not just, yeah, I think his glory's here. No, the tangible sense of his glory where it is impacting all flesh, seeing the glory of God together. Those words have to be fulfilled for Jesus to come. Before the king of glory can come, the glory of God must fill the whole world. Before you could experience Christ in you, you had to be born again. Before you could have the spirit of Christ in you, you had to be born again. He had to give you a new spirit. He had to create that place in you where a holy God could dwell. You were born again. You were given a brand new spirit. The glory of God came upon your life. You were spiritually made brand new, a new creature, a new creature in Christ Jesus so that the Holy Son of God could come and dwell in your life. In the same way, before the Holy Son of God can come back to this realm, the glory of God, the knowledgeable glory of God has to fill the whole earth. It's good, good, good. And he's doing it with us. He's doing it through us. He's doing it with his church. He's doing it with his bride. So we're going to Genesis chapter 24. In Genesis chapter 24 now, whole chapter, we see the characters. You see a father, a son, a servant, and a bride. 
See, the father, a son, and a servant, and a bride. There's Abraham, Isaac, Eliezer, and Rebekah. But this is all a complete typology of the whole journey of the bride of Christ to the second coming. So this whole thing, this whole chapter is all a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of the Father. It's a picture of the Holy Ghost. And it's a picture of us. So here we can see in Genesis this whole journey and how God is working in and through. So we see a father who is Abraham, the father of a multitude. And it's his son, Isaac, the one he laughs. He laughs. And then there's Eliezer, who is the servant. His name means divine mighty helper. Ezer is helper. Ezer, uh, he took Eve from out of man and he gave him an Ezer, a helper. Ezer. And then there's Eli, Elo, Elohim, Eli. It's God, divine mighty helper. So we see the father, we see the son, and we see the divine mighty helper. And then we see Rebecca. And Rebecca's name means ensnarer, but it means an ensnarer by beauty. It means that she is so beautiful that people are trapped in her beauty. Look at my bride. My bride is like a royal diadem. I hold her out. My bride is without spot or wrinkle. She's a beautiful expression and manifestation of who I am. And so we see all of that here in Genesis 24. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an oh me? Oh, that was good. I don't know why, but oh me. All right, so Genesis 24, 1 to 6, we see Abraham. It says, so Abraham said to his oldest servant in the house, Eliezer, he said to him, he said, the one who ruled over all that he had, he said, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear. Now, the word witness in Latin is the word testis. The word witness in Latin is the word testis. Just wanted to share that with you because he's going to put his hand under his thigh. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So Abraham asked him to put your hand under my thigh because I'm going to make you swear. I'm going to make you testify. I'm going to make you witness. And he said, but you shall go to my country, to my family, and you'll take a wife for my son Isaac. So the father is asking the mighty servant over all of his house. He says, I, you have a job to do now. You have to get a bride. You have to identify that bride. You got to dress that bride. You got to give her gifts. You got to bestow gifts on her and you got to be with her. You've got to bring her on a journey back to my son. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit's doing with us. And so we see that he's asked the Holy Spirit, go. And he says, and I want you to do it. I want you to swear. I want you to swear on my whole future. I want you to swear on my legacy. I want you to swear on my whole future, the, my intentions and my bloodline. So the Holy Ghost is absolutely committed to the will of the Godhead, to the will of the Father. The Holy Ghost is completely committed to find a bride and bring that bride to the Son. So that's what's going on here. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Acts 2.33 Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and being received from the Father, he received the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is poured out upon you, which you now see. So what do we see there? When Jesus ascended and he was there at the Father, he said, now, Father, send the promise, send the Holy Spirit. So high five, the Son has done what he's done now. The Father says, Holy Spirit, go get the bride. So this is what it's talking about. All of this stuff in the New Testament, this is all being worked out and all being manifest to us in this little narrative in Genesis 25. It's amazing. All right, good. Genesis 24 7. 
He will send his angel before you. Verse 40, when uh, Eliezer uh, rehearses it, he says he will send his angel to prosper your way. And four times he used that. There's prosperity with me. I have been empowered to prosper on my journey. And you see that angel, there was, there was a, a host of angels. And you see, with the Holy Spirit, not only is the Holy Spirit going to help on this journey, but we've been blessed with the armies of the hosts of heaven. You see, we've got the resources of heaven. And I, you know, the Holy Spirit, an angel's no, not better than the Holy Ghost by any bit. Not, a, not a, even a little bit. You know what, but, but you know what's amazing thing is, is we do have the assistance of angels. You know, we got the Holy Ghost. That's the third person that God had. That's powerful in us, anointing us, smearing us. But you know, it is a big deal. Also have the assistance of these ministering servants that are going with us. And you know, that angel of prosperity, that same prosperity is for you. And you got to realize that there are angelic hosts, there are angelic beings that are there, gathered around you, assigned to you, assigned to your purpose in life, that are ready to be activated on your behalf in circumstances every single day. Just like Jacob had that ladder where he said, look at this. Here's an open heaven. Here I am. I'm above it. I'm, I'm here. You have total access to me. And not only that, there are angels, not angels descending, but there are angels ascending and descending. They don't descend and ascend. They ascend and they descend. It's because they ascend when you activate them. How many angels are hanging around with us right now going, I would ascend and get something, but nobody's put me to work. There are angels ready to be activated, ready to be moved, and ready to do something. These angels are there to prosper me on my way. You'll take a wife from there. And the servant took 10 camels. Say 10. 10 camels. And the camels went. And when they came to where they were going, they knelt down outside the city by the well. Hebrews 1.14. Are they not ministering spirits? Speaking of angels. He's talking about angels. He says, angels aren't Jesus. Angels were not to worship angels. said, but are they not ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Are you inheriting salvation? Is there anybody here inheriting salvation? Then angels are ministering spirits ministering on your behalf right now as believers. As believers, have you felt that? Have you known that there's a there's an extra special presence? There's a sense of something godly and divine partnering with you. I felt it in ministry. I felt it when I've ministered. I felt when I feel like, wow, you always want to heal, but I feel like there's angels of healing that are with me right now to begin to manifest healing in the room. And you can feel it. You can sense it. You can feel suddenly the sense of glory that just got on me. It's so much more tangible. And I begin to realize. I've got some, I've got some assistance here right now as I minister. I especially, often when I go minister, I travel with angels that are angels of joy. And I go places and as I minister, the whole place gets whacked and I'm going like, wow, I didn't intend that. But I can feel the sense that there are angels of joy and they kind of look like Friar Tuck. And they're all running around just pouring buckets of stuff on people. Anyways, I don't want to get into all that, but you know, it's a real thing. It's not something you should ignore. Oh, we don't want to get into the angel stuff. Whether you want to get into it or not, the real deal is there are ministering servants ready to help you and ready to minister on behalf of those inheriting salvation. And you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing from God that so often the church doesn't appropriate because we just stay away from it because we think, well, maybe that's a bit weird. We don't want to worship angels. I'm not saying worship angels, but I'm saying you should understand that that benefit is yours to activate. Well, pastor, how do you activate that? You ready? Are you ready? How do you activate that? You ready? You don't have to pray to angels, speak to angels, or do any of that stuff. Here's, here's what you need to do. I'm, I'm not concerned if you did. If you saw an angel and you spoke to one, that would not be weird. Why would that not be weird? 
Because so many people in the Bible did. The angel came to Mary, had a conversation. Well, that's really weird. I don't believe that. Well, it really happened. The woman who gave birth to the Son of God had an angelic. So did her husband. So did a bunch of other people all around the birth of Christ. So did a whole bunch of shepherds in a field. They're like, hey, Charlie, can you pass me that barbecued wiener? Thanks very much. A host of angels there saying, and then an angel told them what to do and where to go. So, you know, having a conversation with an angel actually in the Bible is not that weird. Paul had conversations with angels. Peter had encounters. There's many people had encounters with the angelic. It might be that it's a little weird that we're not having more of it. You know, if the, the spiritual activity of, of the move of the Holy Ghost, the prophetic, the urgency, something's coming, a season has shifted, the Son of God is coming, prophecies, dreams, angelic visitations. If that was happening at the Advent, how much more before the second coming should there not be spiritual activity that accelerates in the body of Christ? Oh. I think it would be weird if we didn't have it. I think it would be weird if people taught against it. I think it would be weird if people didn't expect it. I think it would be weird if people didn't seek to understand it more. Hello, how are you today? Here it is, how, Pastor, how? I'm going to tell you how. Bless the Lord, you his angels. Speaking to the angels. What do the angels do? They excel in strength to do his word. What are the angels doing? They're doing the word of God. What's the word of God? They're ministering healing. They're ministering prosperity. They're ministering angels of breakthrough. And the angel of the Lord went before them. They're leading. They're guiding. They're, they're prospering us on our journey. And just like Eleazar went with the armies of heaven before him, you got that same supernatural power with you. I just, there's times I've been walking down the street and here in London, and the, sometimes I go down Dundas over here, and you'll have some strange people on those streets, you know? And I'll see a guy kind of, ar, 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 and he goes, huh, sees me and he goes, I go, I go. You kind of wonder if, you know, there's that, those angels that are traveling with you, the, the, you know, the spirits of the dark world kind of go, oh, look out, he's packing. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You got angels with you, Bill. You sure do. You got angels with you, Bertie, all the time. Angels of peace, peace, shalom, prosperity, health, and strength, blessing. Sure, you can. Come on. You're allowed to talk just once. <laughs> uh, just, I'll make it really short. Um, when I was born again, I was um, traveling along at 401 with my mother. This would be. 25, 30 years ago, and my mother said something to me, and I turned the car wheel, and car fender hit the back wheel of a 18-wheeler, and I just stood still, and behind me was the biggest person I've ever known. I didn't see him, but I felt him. He was humongous, and he held the car steady. And the other cars went woo, woo, woo around us. And I just sat terrified. And my mother said, you have to pull over. So we went over and we went up and rested for a few minutes. And I said, I can't go on. She said, oh, you better. <laughs> you can't get out of that driving seat. She made me drive again. 
we found the 18-wheeler farther down the road, and I got behind him. And he said, I'm glad you stopped because I have to explain what happened. But he said, there'll be no repercussions or anything. But he said, um, I, I have to explain what happened. But he said, why aren't you three dead? He said, the way you hit my truck, why didn't you flip over? And we'll see, Angel. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I really didn't plan to have angels as a big part of the sermon, but it suddenly turned into a little bit more. Maybe you needed to hear this. You know, I'd left the house, just married, first year of marriage, I'd left the house. I used to leave early, 6 o'clock in the morning. I was headed down to Oshawa that day. And on my way out of town, I would cross uh, Highway 7, four lanes of traffic there. And uh, one morning, uh, I crossed that, and I got hit by a car coming down the highway. Now, I don't know what happened, but I still can't remember the whole thing today. All I remember is I woke up in the grass. And I got up out of the grass, and I walked through the ditch, and I looked, and on the other side, across four lanes of ha traffic, in the ditch on the opposite side, not that ditch, not that ditch, the ditch diagonally across the road, I could see a whole bunch of people gathered in a car stop. And I went over there, and I went, oh my goodness. The car I was in had flipped several times, and the roof was crushed in, and the engine was pushed into the driver's seat. And I was like, wow. And I said, hey, who hit me? And they're all like... <laughs> they all turned around going... Who are you? I go, I was in that car. They went, you were? And they were all like, we were trying to find who was driving this. And they said, you were driving? I go, I was. And they went, where'd you come from? I go, I was, I was in the grass over there. I flew over four lanes of traffic. I flew over fences. I flew over other vehicles. And I landed in the grass. It was just bizarre. Now, this is a Volkswagen Jetta, all right? So this, and, and I'm driving that. And I went through the passenger window over top of all of this and flew to safety on the grass and walked away from the whole accident. Wow. So when I went, went to the shop, these were company cars, and when I went to the shop, because I knew the car was towed over there, I went and saw the mechanic. I said, you guys got the car? He goes, we do. You're not going to believe it. I go, what? He goes, you got to see this. He said, look at this. He took me to the passenger window, and he says, look at that. He says, you see the seat? And then it's like, shoo. He says, it's like everything is buckled out, it's like somebody reached in and just pulled you out of there. And that was his words, and I just went, I think you're right. And I'm, I go through that intersection once or twice a year still, and when I'm going to Peter, I on purpose go through that. Just to, and I just kind of go like, that's crazy stuff. How did that happen? But you know, he gives his angels charge over you, and they care for you, and thank God for that. And you know what? That happened. You weren't asking for it. I wasn't even asking for it, but you know what? He's faithful. Amen. My wife heard the sirens and she went, for some reason, I think that's about Carl. And sure enough, she got a call from the sales manager. Your husband's been rushed to the hospital. He's been in a terrible car accident. When she got there, they'd x-rayed everything from head to toe and said, well, I don't know how, Mr. Thomas, but you don't have a broken bone. You don't have a thing. You're good to go. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's not weird at all. It's fantastic. And if he did it for me, He'll do it for you. If he did it for Birdie, that same God is watching over you and caring for you. Amen. Can I get an amen? Now, I got to get the clock out here because I got 10 minutes to finish my sermon now. But look at that. You see, heeding the voice of his word. Say voice. 
See, when you voice the word of God, literally they're going, well, we're back to work. We are on the job. When I stand up here and I'm after worship and we're in the presence of God, why do I declare those things? Because I want to activate the heavenly realm. I want to activate the ladder. I want it to be red hot with angelic activity coming and going. I want healings and breakthroughs. I want to see heaven invade every situation in the place because the angels are activated at the voice of his word. When you voice the word of God, angels, what are they doing? They excel in strength to do his word. Hallelujah. So you're act, whether you know it or not, when you declare the word, you're activating the heavenly realm. Hallelujah. Come on, shout glory to God. No, shout glory to God. Good, good. Do that about 10 more times while I'm preaching. All right. All right. So here we go. All right. Uh, picture right here. Boom. Look at that. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's Mr. Zimmer right there on the camel. His captain is uh, Ali Shababa. No, that's Stefan, actually. Sorry, that's Stefan. I didn't, didn't recognize him there for a minute. But these are camels. I mean, he took 10 camels, and he began to ride, and they rode all the way to the well. And in Genesis 24, he came to the well, and before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, very beautiful to behold, a virgin. She was there drawing water. And, and this is amazing, because he said, Lord, help me. And he said, Lord, prosper me now. And he's putting a demand, because it, it said, the angels are sent with me to prosper me. And he said, prosper me now. Identify for me identify this wife I want to be successful in what you've called me to do prosper me now and before he'd even finish speaking behold Rebecca very beautiful not just beautiful but her beauty would ensnare you it would trap you she was so beautiful you're like she is amazing look at her and see, the bride of Christ in the earth today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, should be the most beautiful manifestation of community in the world. I was at church today. I was overwhelmed with the beauty of that fellowship. I was overwhelmed with the beauty of their community. I was overwhelmed with the way they served each other and all that they did. Amen. I mean, uh, when and the, the, was it Queen of Sheba? Was it Sheba? Who was it? She came to test Solomon. It says she was overwhelmed when she saw how he ascended to the house of God. It says she had no more strength in her when she watched how her servants did stuff, how they set the table, how they did things. She was overwhelmed because she came to test his wisdom. But when she saw how he did community and how he honored God, her spirit was taken from her. See, when people walk in and they, I don't believe in Jesus, you people are creepy. You guys are nuts. I don't believe they should walk in and just experience us living together, communing together, showing the love of God to one another, and bam, they should be smitten by that revelation and totally touched. Jesus. All right, I got to move faster. Say faster, pastor. All right, so then they finished. There they were, very beautiful. Listen to what she said. she said. She said, can I get you some water? And he said, sure, I'd love some water. And his thing was, if somebody comes and says, I'll water your camels too, that's the one. So she said, you want a drink? Here's a drink. And then she said, you know what? I'm going to water your camels as well until they're finished drinking. See, at our place, when we eat, we don't eat until we're full. We eat until we're finished. Because there's a lot of times I'm full, but I can pack one more bite in there. You know, because we don't stop till we're finished or till there's nothing left to eat. I mean, I went to a Brazilian steakhouse in Abu Dhabi with Wayne. And I tell you, they were like, we're not going to make money on these guys. So, they said, are you done? I said, I'm not finished. Are you full? I could be full, but I'm not finished. 
I got my card on go, keep it coming. So anyway, <laughs> said I'm gonna I'm gonna give your camels a drink until they're finished. Anyways, I threw that in. I don't know why, but I, I'm gonna do that until they are finished. Now listen, I got this right here. Oh my God! Oh. <sighs> Okay, now apparently that is that's close to that's that's uh, close to uh, close to six gallons of water in there, and uh, that is forty eight pounds of water right there. It's in a glass jug. Now you know back in their days they probably used a clay jug. I don't know if she had a big jug or a small jug, but this is what she did. She said, "You know what? What do you got? Ten camels here? You came how many miles? No worries. I take care of your camels. Let me show you a little slide here." That's five-gallon jugs of water. And right there, if you count what you can see, you're still not seeing many. You might see 25, 30 jugs. But let me give you another slide. Ten camels at least, seven-day journey, 435 miles. If it's a really thirsty camel who hasn't had water for a while, that camel can drink up to 50 gallons of water. And they drink water 20 to 30 gallons in 10 minutes. Another thing is, it says she ran quickly. And another thing is, she was at the well when the women come to draw water, which means she was at the well when the well was busy. So she wasn't just running over and getting water. She was competing for other people. Excuse me, excuse me. And I've been in India where the one water source, when it turns on, everybody's there with huge buckets waiting for it to start. And this isn't in the country somewhere. This is right inside the cities. I mean, because they got water, but then they got this water that it, it would kill me, but they drink it. And, and, you know, they stand there and they wait for it to run. And when it runs, oh my goodness, there's people in line and they're fighting with each other. If you move just an inch, they'll push in on you. You know, I mean, she had to battle for the source at the same time. And she's going to take about 500 gallons of water for somebody else's camels. Man, Kevin, come here, Kevin. Oh my God! Just can you hold that for me? Just for how long? I don't know. Just see what you can do. <laughs> Is that pretty heavy? It's pretty heavy. No, no, lift it up. Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe take it, take it to the back, and come back <laughs> quickly. He ran. Okay, and back again. Uh, let's see. How many times would he do that, Mike? Eighty-three times. All right, that's one. <laughs> Julie is a great wife. Let's see, Julie. Okay, that's one. That's two. You just got to do it 78 more times. It's going to be a long sermon. We're just kidding. I want you to come and sit down because, you know, if something happened, I'm not sure we're insured for that. So, <laughs> But let's give it up for Kevin and Julie. That was very nice. Okay. Very good. That's pretty crazy stuff right there. I mean, he's saying, you know, I want some lady who's going to give me a drink, but then she'll say, hey, let me water your camels. Let me commit myself to two, three hours of heavy lifting. Wowzers. I don't know. Pretty amazing stuff. I'll tell you something. When God talks about us and he says, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? What's God looking for? God's looking for people that will put aside their agenda and serve somebody else's. And when you're thinking about the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ is not selfish. The bride of Christ, hey, you look like you came on a long journey. Do you need a drink? Hey, let me get your camels a drink too. Let's show you a little, little 
thing here, a couple quotes. What would shift if you watered the camels in your marriage? We don't have any camels. Okay, I guess, I guess we'll move on then. <laughs> what would shift if you watered the camels at your workplace? Oh, you don't know my boss. How many got a nasty boss? You just can't stand your boss. Just drives you crazy. It's okay, all, all heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of your boss drives you nuts? Why did the staff have their hands up? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. They're blessed. I know it. I know their boss. It's awesome. It's Pastor Cheryl. So, <laughs> you know, when you got a situation that's real bad, you might be right that it's real bad, but the answer to something shifting in that situation is probably if you'll water the camels in that situation. Because it could be that instead of getting better, that situation, it could get worse. There's no guarantees in any of this thing. But you know what? Here's one guarantee you can have, that if you'll serve in that situation, if you'll serve whatever you think is lacking or broken, you know what? You're going to see a breakthrough. And if you see a breakthrough or not, it doesn't matter. You serving, serving shows that you're, you're great in the kingdom and that there's no selfishness in your life. What would happen if I watered the camels of my neighbor? Well, thank God he doesn't have any camels because my neighbor is annoying. But, but thank God for fences. <laughs> Keeps his camels in his own yard. But you know, there's a lot of experiences in life. You know what? The key to things turning around for you is not that the people around you would get fixed. Just serve it. Because it may never fix. It may never get... Your boss might get uglier. There's the good news. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor. Appreciate that. Okay. Okay, that's, that's the camels, all right? First Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me is not in vain. See, God's grace, his unmerited favor, his blessing on my life, the fact that I know him and I know how much he loves me, and I'm just blown away by the fact that I live out of his strength and his ability. And because I know that, I'm never lacking. I'm never missing a thing. I'm never broken because I'm hyper, hooper, satisfied with the goodness of God. And because of that, here's what Paul said. But by the the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to warm me wasn't in vain. His grace works in my life. I mean, him pouring grace on me, it wasn't in vain because his grace works. And here's what he says. I labored more abundantly than they all. And yet, not I, but the grace of God, which is in me. You know, the grace of God makes you excel in areas that you've had, a, you think you've had enough, in areas you think that I can't do anymore, in areas where you think, oh my goodness, this is hard. You know, the grace of God allows you to excel in all of those areas, and you can give it, and you can release the goodness of God and grace of God in situations. Can I get a hallelujah? All right. All right, here we go. We're wrapping up right now. We are, just because I said I am. All right, Genesis 24, 22 to 28, when the camels had finished shrinking, the man took a nose ring, and this was an eight gram, eight gram nose ring. That's a pretty heavy nose ring, really, eh? You might need a chiropractor if you left it on one side too long. So I'd recommend putting that one right in the middle. All right, anyways, she gave her a nose ring and gave her two bracelets on her wrist. So the young woman, she was excited. She ran back and told her household all about this guy and who he was. But he goes back to the household, 24, 51 to 53. He tells them all about, you know, who he is, why he's been sent, why he wants to take Rebecca with him. He pours this out, and they're moved by his story. They agree with his story. And they said, here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife, And the, as the Lord has spoken. Then the servant brought out jewelry. 
glory. Then the servant brought out garments. He brought out clothing. You see, everything now shifts. When you become wed and betrothed to the bride of Christ, everything shifts. He now becomes the source of everything in your life. And you must now, you must not go through life in your own resources, but you cast yourself fully on him. And he is the one. It's his gifts. It's his clothing. It's his life by which you live on the journey. You jump on the camel now and you ride and you follow the servant, but you do everything now out of the resources and the blessing of the Father. Everything shifts in your life. Give me another slide. Boom. So they said, hey, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we wait a little bit? This is pretty sudden. I mean, we just met you and, and all this pretty sudden. Why don't you let her hang with us for a little while longer? And, and they said, look, he said, no, I got to go. I got to go now. We got to go. Boom. The journey's begun. I got to go. So they said, we will call the young woman and we ask her personally. Say personally. Say personally. Just hit the person sleeping beside you and say personally. personally. Amen. Then they called and said, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. They rode away and he followed, she followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and they departed. So there's the whole thing is there's the betrothal and there is now the Holy Spirit is completely involved in bringing that, that bride, bringing her to the full journey, bringing her completely to the finished work, which is to her to the Lord Jesus, to present her to Isaac, who is the type of Christ. So uh, Old Testament scholar, for 2 Corinthians 11, 2, for I am jealous of you with a godly jealousy. This is Paul speaking in the Corinthian church. He says, I'm jealous with a godly jealousy for you, for I've betrothed you to one a husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin. Paul felt that these converts, these folks who'd come to Christ, he felt that he had a responsibility to present them to Jesus. He felt a burden as the spiritual gift in their lives to present them to Christ. But he said, I have betrothed you. Not I will betroth you, but I have betrothed you. Now some people say, well, God's waiting until, you know, the bride is beautiful and he's going to come back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Yes, he is going to come back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. But you know what the bride is right now? Without spot or wrinkle. I'm a new creation. I am perfect. You can't even improve on what I am. I am in Christ. I'm not getting better. There's no distance between me and God. God's not going, oh, I'd really like to hang with you, but you don't look very good. We're not waiting for that. That is going to happen, but it's a finished work right now. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And see, that's a wrong teaching when people say, the church has got to get better. The church has got to clean up. If the church thinks it's got to clean up, you know what the church is going to focus on? Trying to clean itself up. And if the church is spending all this time trying to do what only God could do, the devil would have us on a treadmill of self-performance and self-improvement, trying to make ourselves pleasing to God. But you see, betrothal, it says, but the person who is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. In their culture, they didn't have engagement and then marriage. They had betrothal. And betrothal meant that you are now this man's. You are his. You are his responsibility. Done. You are wed with this individual. And there was a wedding ceremony. They partied. They had a good night. And then they left and they headed for Isaac. But the wedding, the betrothal had taken place. Now don't take my word for it. Take this guy's word for it. Old Testament scholar Douglas Stewart. Douglas Stewart betrothal. Here's how he defines Scholar. He defined betrothal, the final step in the courtship process, virtually equivalent in legal status to the wedding ceremony. Paul said you're not going to be betrothed. You are betrothed. 
And he or she was, might have just had that event, may not have even seen Isaac face to face yet, but she is completely his wife, completely pure, completely set apart, completely gifted, completely clothed, completely prepared to see her Isaac. You don't need a self-improvement course. You don't need to try to get something out of you. Anything that you need to be changed in your life, God himself does it, not you. You just put on the finished work of the cross. All right, praise the Lord. I'm going to wrap it up right now. Did I say that yet? There's at least five closings in this sermon. Hallelujah. Genesis 24, 62, 64. Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening and he lifted up his eyes and he looked and there the camels were coming and then Rebecca lifted up her eyes and she saw Isaac and she dismounted from her camel. Ride your camel, ride your camel, stay on your camel, follow the Holy Ghost. Manifest the giftings, the ability you have everywhere on your journey. Let people say, who's that? That's the bride of Isaac. Where is she going? She's going to meet Isaac. The church is the bride of Christ. Where are we going? We're going to that beautiful wedding in the sky where, boom, we are wed with him completely and finally, but we are completely betrothed, completely wed right now. But we're headed to that consummation where we see him face to face. And it's good stuff. It's good, good stuff. All right, Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife, not his fiance, not his girlfriend, his wife has made herself ready. How do you make yourself ready? Put on the garments he provided. Put on the jewelry he provided. And what she did was she put on her veil. She prepared to meet the bride. The wife has made herself. Let us rejoice. This is really going to happen, folks. This is really going to happen. There's going to be a second coming of Christ, and we will see him as he is, and we will be literally, this, this body, everything that's wrong, everything that's not been transformed into the full manifestation, everything in my flesh, I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to have a resurrected body. I'm going to be fully like him as he is. It's going to be so exciting. Three people are excited about that. Genesis 24, 67, and Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother's tent, and she became his wife, and he knew her. He knew her. He loved her deeply. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. There was a consummation. Something took place there. Revelation 22, 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Everyone who eagerly awaits his coming has set themselves apart for that. There is a second coming of Jesus. Isaac, not talked about until now, suddenly he shows up back on the scene because Jesus Christ is going to come again and he is going to take us to himself and he is not going to come. Listen, it says that when he comes, he's not going to judge of sin. He's not going to judge of that because that was done once and for all. I got that in Hebrews 9.26. He appeared once to put away sin by the sacrifice of themselves and it is appointed for man wants to die and after that the judgment so Christ was offered once to bear the sin of many to those who eagerly wait for him he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation hallelujah hallelujah he dealt with sin this isn't the sin return he's done that this time he comes to judge with what did you do with Jesus the judgment is isn't isn't have you had sin or not had sin sin has been dealt with the thing is what did you do with Jesus did you accept the one who granted you access to the father did you ride your camel with the one did you keep your eyes on him did you prepare did you put on his garments and his gifts and his jewels did you come prepared to meet Jesus the judgment is are you in Christ or not 
And there is a second coming. There is a, is a day where he will crack the skies and he will come. I got one more slide, I think, up there somewhere. The Holy Spirit is searching. You know, and you've accepted him. The reason you did is because the divine Eliezer, the divine helper, he came to your life and he touched you. And you've been brought to him because the spirit of God. You're not born of your choice or your decision. It was an act of God that you've been born of God. And now that Holy Spirit is still today looking for people who prepared themselves as that treasured possession. It's time to put on your royal garments, be adorned with his gifts of silver, gold, and jewels. Mount your camels and ride. I might have one more slide. Boom. Come on, stand up with me. Hey. Jesus. I'll tell you, there's angels here. There's nothing too hard. You don't have to leave here in any way. I mean, God has provided everything for you. I mean, there's, there's shifts in every aspect of your life. Transformation. You don't have to walk out of here broken today because God's ready to touch you and move on your behalf in every single way. I just want all heads bowed and eyes closed. Listen. Now there's an appeal right there. There's, there's an appeal from the book of Genesis. There's an appeal from this chapter. The Holy Ghost is journeying through this room right now. He's journeying right now and he's seeking out. He's seeking out those who he wants to bring into relationship with the Father. Those he wants to present to the Son of God. Those he wants to bring into the body of Christ, the church. And if you've never made that decision before, you've never said, hey, I want to I wanna accept this. Just like Rebecca said, I will go. Will you go with him? I will go. Will you yield to the Holy Spirit? Will you yield to his invitation? Come, have your sins forgiven. Be set free. Be clothed in righteousness. Be gifted. Be prepared. You are the bride of Christ. You are being born into the body of Christ. You know, if you've never done that, but you want to do it today, I want to pray for you. If you want to say, I will go, I will, I will. That's really good news. What you're saying is good. It has application today. I want some. I want to be reconciled to my Father. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. Very simple. But when I go to three, just put your hand up. See, there's nobody else looking around. It's just you. It's between you and God. And he's speaking to your heart right now. You know, he's ready to touch you. He's ready to minister to you. But if you've never done that, but you want to say, I will go. Here we go. You ready? One, two, three. I need your hand up really high. I need your hand up very high so I can see it. Very high. Anyone at all? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good, good. Let's pray. We're all going to pray together. So you had your hand up, you pray. You lift up your voice and pray, and we're going to pray together. And I want you just to do this. I want you to invite, and I want you to say like Rebecca, I'm, I'm willing to go. You ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for healing me. I invite you into my life. Come in. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Holy Spirit, I'm going to follow you, and I'm willing to go all the way with you. So come now, Holy Spirit. Baptize me in Jesus' name. Testify with my spirit right now that I am a child of God. Amen. That's good news. Somebody might tap you on the shoulder and 
just try to process that a little further with you and talk to you. We're not asking you to join a church or any of those things. But that's an amazing decision. That's an amazing thing you did today. But it's more than a decision. Some transaction took place in your life where you've been born from above and you really are born into the body of Christ and you really are a child of God. It's good stuff. Can I get the altar ministry folks to come up here right now? Jesus. You know, God's here in a big way today, you know? He really is. I know we got, we got a worship team, lunch, and a little meeting after, so I know there's folks who... Uh, need to prepare for that and do those things and they can go ahead and do that that'd be great but if you need prayer for anything today i'm telling you you got a deaf ear it can be opened here you got a blind eye it can be open. you got a hopeless situation you can get prayer for it you got something broken or not right in your life it can get healed and, and folks are here to pray for you and minister to you so we don't want to leave you without an opportunity to do that well let me bless you can i bless you heavenly father we just thank you for your goodness today your grace and your love thank you for the way you're moving in this beautiful life. Thank you for the way we're tracking through your word and seeing you on every page. And Lord, just continue to move in a big way in our hearts and our lives. Father, I bless this house now, each and every one, every single one in the family of God. I bless them in Jesus' name. I pray for the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one. In Jesus' precious name.